0: Think. Hello and welcome to episode 20 Excuse me. Episode twenty about that. Episode 20, twenty-eight. Oh, sorry, was that not funny? Do going, Jeff, this is serious times. It's a global pandemic. The last thing we need is jokes. Jokes will help spread the virus quicker. Um yeah, so yeah, apparently there's a bit of a bug going around. I don't know about you, I've heard that a lot in my life. I've heard that almost all my life was all oh, there's a nasty bug going around. And and, and, it's, and it's true now. It's true, but obviously we will be speaking about the coronavirus. Did we see that it's got its own podcast on the BBC? I don't know if it's being a comedian or something, but I was, like, jealous of that. I thought, fucking... And all all the other viruses that have been around years, they must be... (laughs) Because you know showbiz is, they're sitting there going, oh my God, this prick just turns up. like, you know, becomes big one spring and suddenly he's got his own podcast. Whereas measles, man, we've been doing our things for years and what do we get? Yeah, fuck all. Uh, Oh, now, I just swore already. Was that the first swear? So I'm trying to swear less on this podcast. So we started something... Last week if I asked one of the punters one of the listeners to to keep track and big thanks to David Demain, who clocked eleven swears do you agree with that was was there more is there less eleven is probably a lot less than there was before and there was a surprise showing for the word prick I would have thought. Well, look, if I keep swearing, I'm going to get my... I've already done two, just explaining what that was. So, yeah, David, thank you for that. If you want to keep that up uh, or if anyone else wants to kind of score it like a cricket match themselves and see if they come out the same, then please do that and email it to whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. And uh, just on that, a quick shout-out to John Bailey. Uh, your missus contacted me and told me that you'd appreciate a shout-out. And she said, if I could tell you chin-up. Now, I don't know if that means chin-up because things in life ain't good at the moment... Or she's just like negging you for well for having a fat face. <laughs> uh, so whatever it is, you know, either if it's life stuff, then I wish you all the best. And if you've got a fat face, then uh, well, you know, eat a salad and you know stop eating so much. So this podcast, as that piece of advice shows, is from the sort of more blunt, real world end of comedy, where uh, you know it's not anti woke. is 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 not It's not just about that. It's just about trying to talk about things in a way that most people do right what most people think now I might get right I might get it wrong but you are totally at liberty to email me at whatmostpeoplethinkuk@gmail.com at gmail.com to tell me where I got it right or wrong Uh, so we will be speaking about coronavirus in this show we will also be talking about the International Women's Day and there's just a couple of things coming up um, out of that that I found interesting a quick tour recap I had a busy week touring last week I went to Aylesbury I went to Bromsgrove on a Wednesday this already sounds like the worst Craig David song ever. When a Bromsgrove on Wednesday, I was in Stoutport on Friday. And I was I mean, the, the worst. I mean, the worst Craig David song. I, I, went, I went into Bromsgrove. Grove. That was very nice. Thanks for everyone that came out there. Really good size midweek crowd and a lot of fun. You, you, felt, you guys felt like sober, but up for it, which is a bit un-British, really. That kind of challenged me. I didn't think that was possible. Um, Aylesbury on Thursday and um, taught, uh, showing any sort of support for HS2 continues to be the most controversial thing that you could say in Aylesbury. I mean, like I talked about anything. I, I remember when I did question time at the same venue and uh, I said stuff, you know, we spoke about Shamima Begum. We spoke about Brexit. But when HS2 come up, <laughs> I mean, nothing like really scares the the share out of Middle England. I, I did two shits. Now I've done three. Okay. Uh, Nothing scares middle England more like than than their house prices going down. I mean, you could talk about any other existential threat. I mean, even right now, right? Even at the peak of this corona or getting towards the peak of this coronavirus thing, if they suddenly said house prices slumped by 15%, right? Let's, Let's put the virus on the back burner for a little while. What was that? What was that? about? Should I pause the extension? So I was in Aylesbury on the Thursday. Then it's Stourport. Now... Where I It's very weird since we've had sat-navs is that you can actually just go somewhere and not really know where you've been. Now, I'm old school. The GPS is in the head, points to the forehead. I'm one of those blokes. The GPS is all up here. But every once in a while, I just go somewhere and I let the sat-nav take me. But it does create this strange impression that you just sort of arrive in a place and you're not exactly sure in the country where it was. So I've sort of come to the conclusion that Stourport on Severn, on seven, is um is a is a mythical place. I had a strange experience. The gig was great. It was great fun, but it was in this weird sort of civic centre. Um, it was also a library, and yeah, it, w- it was a bit surreal. Got some some of the strangest heckling of the whole tour. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I went into like the sort of comedic Bermuda Triangle there, and then we was in um we was in Wrexham on Saturday. And that was a long drive. That was a long drive. But the warmest welcome of the tour, I think. I think like I think the people of Wrexham must know how unappetising it is to come to Wrexham. So they put in a little bit extra at the beginning of the show. Think, look, if we want live entertainment here, we need to compensate for the fact that this this poor man had to come to Wrexham. Sorry, I'm neg- I'm negging your town here. But be honest, I did feel like walking around Wrexham because I got there early. Like I'd sort of step back in early 90s East you know sort of Eastern Europe communist bloc um, I'm gonna get emails about this now I mean, you didn't you didn't come to a nice bit of Wrexham yeah every town's got a nice bit, but you judge it by the bad bit and and it, it seemed pretty 80s I even heard a police siren that sounded 1980s um, and so yeah so a quick thank you I do this every week a thank you and a fuck you which I, I, I don't think that counts in the swear count. I don't think that's fair. this is a structural uh, format point. As we say in the industry, but thank you to everybody that came to the radio four record um, on Sunday at a pub in Chiswick. That is going to go out at the end of March, and if you did come, you will know that. So I'd done a thousand miles of driving in the previous four days, and 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 I've got a little uh, tip for you here. Uh, I've reached a conclusion is that that's not a great idea when you're forty three. I mean, I literally my my posture was shaped like I was sitting in a car. Um, and my brain, I was just brain farting left, right and centre. Could, couldn't read, couldn't read the jokes I was supposed to read. Um, I had my good friend Christopher Snowden there and he was doing some facts about sort of nanny state stuff which I was referring to. And the idea was that A, he would do his facts to help ground what I was saying in some sort of objective reality. But then also that I would bounce off them with little ad-lib funnies. No, <laughs> no I didn't. My brain was just going to me, yeah, I'm sorry, mate. Uh, it's, it's like my brain looked, took industrial action. Like it was like yeah one out all out we're not um, we're not doing that the workers up here Jeff I've uh, had a meeting and the shop steward has said that a thousand miles on the road is unacceptable and therefore we will not be offering up any ad libs funny quips or asides so thank you to everyone that came today I think it was funny but sometimes for the wrong reasons <laughs> for the wrong reasons just watching a man just at, at the end I was I had to do a couple of pickups which is where you've said things wrong in the main record and then you have to sort of do them again to make sure it all flows. And there was one that I got wrong seven times, and I think the first four times it was like, oh this is funny, and then what happens with an audience? They suddenly slowly go oh I think this man, <laughs> I think this man's having a breakdown. Oh, I oh like is it okay to still laugh? He, he seems like he has emotional and mental issues. But we got there in the end, and thank you for everyone being so nice about that. Okay, let's start talking about this coronavirus. <laughs> So oh, where we are at the moment, pandemic day fifteen. I'm in the bunker. <laughs> well, another issue with a lot of this is is how much, um, how many films that we've all seen about this kind of thing. You know, like it's impossible to to detach our experience of watching things like Outbreak and <laughs> and all these things like you know like when they show the maps. This is how the pandemic will spread. And they go, you know, and it all lights up on the map. And then you sort of think, if I'm not a, a divorced man who needs to reconcile with his wife and one child, because in these films, you know, like where there's a scientist or a cop or something and he's his marriage is broke down and he has to reconcile. Do you notice they've always only got one kid? <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's a woman sort of after the first one realised he was a wrong one, but... So, yeah, we are we are at the moment. We, it feels like we're before a bit where the government might start, you know, issuing more direct advice to people. But, but everyone's getting pissed off with the government already. You know, so Boris, you know, Piers Morgan's out there going, he's not doing enough. And I'm sort of thinking, well, he's listening to the chief medical officer. Um, I, I'm going to be old-fashioned here. I'm going to say that I would probably prefer the prime minister to take advice off the chief medical officer than broadcasters. Because the broadcasters... Well, they want they want more action now, and I think we we should all be listening to broadcasters in more in these troubled times. Um, but they're saying there no at this point there are no specific health benefits um, of of closing down large scale events. Now, I'm not just saying this because of my tour. <laughs> Maybe I'm a bit. Oh, well, I should say this actually. When you do comedy, right? When you do comedy tours, there is a thing called a no show rate, which uh, for all comedy is like five percent. And for the music, it's 10%. Some, for some reason, right? Um, probably because music people are more, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why well, they're more likely to be wasted. Comedy audience, more middle-aged, like it's their only night out. Maybe music is like they're younger and they're going, ah, screw it, I've got another night out coming up soon. When you're sort of moving to middle age you go, well, if I don't go this, uh, it's going to be November. But, but last week, my no-show rate was less than 1%. <laughs> so I don't know if my punters are just double-r bastards or I was in places where. Let's be honest, metropolitan areas are way more worried about coronavirus. And because, you know, they're more dense, there's probably more people there have travelled. I have to say that in Stourport and uh, Wrexham, there wasn't, many, there wasn't many shits being given. Um, but, but yeah, so, like, you know, this advice is being taken and, and people, people are furious. And then, of course, you've got all your mates going, it's amazing how in the last week or so, so many of my friends have done tweets and stuff going. Yeah, I was speaking to this bloke who's uh, like a leading virologist. I go, well, you kept that under your hat. How many of my friends were 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 muckers with leading vi- virologists? This is the question, isn't it? Like, and I know this is a tough one to answer, but what are the consequences versus reward? If we, you know, at its top, I know that this 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 virus. So I'm not being totally flippant about. It. I know that it's particularly, uh, you know, the mortality rate and. In old people is particularly bad, and I bet you any money, right? I've already seen a couple of posts by some of the more militant Remainer wing saying pretty dark things about that. I mean, that's one way to lose the room, isn't it? That's one way to lose the room. Is going, just just sitting there going, oh wow, I wonder if this fight and um, you know sort of means that the demographics for rejoining the EU have... like seriously, if you are thinking that, get help. You are not well. That is not that is not a normal link that a person with healthy mental health would take and i think maybe britain is in in a different position to um, other european countries here because obviously it spread incredibly quick in italy we are and this is demonstrable like uh, the british british tactility is lower than other countries i think that they i remember seeing a documentary once where they showed like they showed the human body and then they showed the sphere the sphere outside of it where you would see it as an invasion of your personal space right and a lot of european countries that that sort of sphere came uh that, that you know didn't come out that far so it meant that pe- they were comfortable with people coming quite close to them. the British one <laughs> it was like a meter do you know what I mean it was like it was like you know those big uh human hamster balls that you get it was it was like that size so you know I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that that would stop the spread of the pandemic but I think that instinctively there is a little bit um there is a little bit of a difference in terms of tactility shaking hands yeah I maybe mean, I'm a big hand shaker you know, I don't kiss on the cheeks. I mean, we don't kiss on the cheeks. Maybe that that makes a difference. I'm, I'm just now thinking about how this could be uh, interpreted. You know, when people like try and make a issue of something like BBC diversity panel member suggests Italians to blame for kissing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm saying that. That is exactly what I'm saying. And there's been some um, there's been some incredible like reactions to it. Obviously, the um, uh, Nadine Doris, the health minister. Was uh, uh, diagnosed. It's weird as well, like the way that they're talking about, like being diagnosed with it. Like there's this stigma about. It. There's something about the way that the press are saying it that rather than being like a kind of seasonal flu, which is what it will eventually become, right? It will become. That's how all of these illnesses started. It will, you know, we'll build up immunities, and it will just be another kind of seasonal flu. Is uh, they sort of talk about it like I remember in in the eighties when like celebrities got got HIV. That's what. <laughs> Tom Hanks goes down. First big Hollywood star. To go. It's like, he's gone. He's going to be all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's going, to, um, he's going to have a bit of a fever. He might have a bit of a cough. And he's going to come through it. But I, wonder, but I wonder, like, the effects of people in the public sphere who've had coronavirus are. Because we all think it's bigger than it is, right? No matter, like, even if you're someone like me, who thinks that mostly everything's going to be okay, it is that it has more status to it as an illness. So if you're in a room with someone after they've had it, are people going to be a little bit funny with them? You know, like, you know, like in those, those kind of sci-fi films where they're trying to, you know, like the, the, the disease gets in you and changes your thing. And when, when someone's trying to pretend that they don't have it, you know, like in those films where they're covering up like the boils on their arms and stuff like that. This is the problem. Again, we've watched too many films. It's very hard to calibrate a, a, a grown-up human reaction to this. But when, um when the Dean Doris uh, came out, <laughs> as being a, a sufferer um, you know the, Twitter did its usual thing of like one there's like insane people on the insane left going yeah good I hope she dies like people who died for us you know you think oh, they've just lost their minds but what what I noticed was like Angela Rayner who said um, while I don't agree with everything she says I want to wish her well We just wish her well then why why does this have to be like and this is this is more common with people on the left right is that because they're so tribalistic and so sure that they're on the goodies side is that they'll often they'll often have to preface any kind of like humanity in relation to the opposition with while i don't agree with everything that she says i wish her well i wish her well like would they do that at funerals as well you know what i mean is that what they're like you know they have to go up and read a eulogy for a grandparent you know, I just say, well, you know, while I don't agree with uh, his slightly old-fashioned views on women and, you know, his uh, more right-wing views on immigration and just get all of, like, their disclaimers out of the way, uh, he was my grandfather and, and he loved me uh, and made me the person I am. You'd think, well, just just maybe talk about that. I get that as well. You know, people sort of say to me, um, I did actually consider um, calling uh, my next tour, while I don't agree with everything he says... <laughs> that's what people say about me a lot I get that from people you know when I meet people in public they go well I don't agree with everything you say I do think you're funny Like I don't, I don't preface you know I, I think Frankie Boyle's hilarious I find controversial to the people that follow me Stuart Lee very funny sometimes but I don't say oh, well I'm not totally on side with their views on socialism I just go they're funny I just think it's quite there's something like really immature about that isn't it like they've got to keep wearing they've got to keep wearing the the, the correct badges <laughs> I do just coming back to this thing about like um, expertise. I do think it is it is odd, like when when otherwise rational people are saying that that I mean, chief medical officer. Sorry to go back to it. I mean, like those words, all those three words make me think. Right, that is the person with the ultimate responsibility for this. I'm I'm listening to him, chief medical officer. But people almost become like music nerds around this. They're like, no nah, man, no nah, man. Like expertise is great, but like the. The expertise you're taking isn't quite as cool as mine. I found this guy on Reddit. This is uh, this Italian GP man. He's been doing some amazing blogs. Like, like I, I get my expertise from like uh, the John Peel stage of expertise. I just find that, you know, it's just a li- little bit less mainstream, a little bit more like chaotic. I mean, what 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 people really want, right? Is they don't want to listen to some boring. Chief Medical Officer at this point. No, that's not exciting. What we really want is we want Jeff Goldblum, right, to come up and just going, yeah, this is how it is, you know, humanity. Man, I mean, fuck it. What, what, where where do I think I can just, like, riff a Jeff Goldblum impression? Yeah, and I am saying Goldblum because I found out recently that's how it pronounced, all right? That makes me better than you. Um, but that's what we're wanting, aren't we? We're wanting just one guy. We're wanting some meeting of the UN. <laughs> And all the kind of, like, old white men just sitting there going, well, I say that we just carry on like before. And then just somebody, like, just starts tapping on a, on a pen and then just slowly they all stop talking and just turn around to him and going, we're all going to die unless we take action. You know, he's, like, got a leather jacket, which means that he's definitely not part of the system. And, of course, we had stockpiling as well, the stockpiling. I mean, that's just the most embarrassing thing. I would, like... If I saw my parents doing that, there's so many things I'd rather see people that I know do than stockpile. Because to me, if you if you got involved in stockpiling, that means that you're a bit weak. Sorry, but it means you're a bit weak. I mean, and that is, wasn't even the best time to stockpile, right? Best time to stockpile is just before the peak of the virus. You're like the... You're bad at stockpiling. <laughs> got to get toilet rolls and got to get paracetamol. T- the toilet rollers and the paracetamol. I mean, it's just, the sad thing about stockpiling, the reason why it's such a hard thing to witness is because it reminds you in a way that when when the apocalypse does come, right, it's not going to be the thing itself that really does for mankind. It's not going to be the meteor. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to be the virus. It's going to be people, you're going to get trampled to death by idiots who started running too soon, right? And uh, who were told, if we all walk, We'll be okay, and then and then they've sort of calculated, but if I run while everyone's walking, then I'll be okay. What they didn't calculate was if they started running, everyone will start running, then hardly anyone will be okay. um so yeah that that's for me is the most depressing thing about this. I actually just spoke to an old neighbor it's just it's just the way, the, the lack of you know all the keep calm and carry on stuff you know people talk about for ages in Britain, and then you suddenly see which people actually take that on board. You know, keep calm and get yourself down Costco and just start fighting people for four bug rolls. So, yeah, just the point is, I think what most people think is just keep calm. It probably will go, like, get quite serious. But but when it gets serious, then get serious. Just follow the advice that you're given and stop, stop, stop running around with your pants down. Jesus. So we have the, the budget at the budget what what a debut for rishi sunak there jesus take a bow son as andy gray would say he was uh what i mean coming in on the back i mean everyone's forgot about the floods already you know they're talking about um gdp flatlining in january isn't it? yeah but people in the north were going to work by a canoe yeah so i'm not surprised that it didn't continue the bounce of december but he's coming because it's interesting with Rishi Sunak, wasn't it? it was that he was like, when, when Sajid got the elbow and they brought in another, uh, an Asian, a British Asian, a lot of people on the left, in their new way of being like pretty racist against Indians, sort of saying, well, you know, he's only done that because he wanted another brown face there, which meant that, you know, completely discounting the idea that Rishi might have a bit of uh, ability. But my God, he stepped up there, mate. It was like, uh, given the context and the, the sort of emergency budget feel... That it had it was like, um, it was like making your debut in the old firm derby, wasn't it? It's was like making your debut and and like like the losing team got relegated, like it was like a, it was such a, a lot of pressure. Well, I say it's a lot of pressure, I guess. The, the flip side of that is that the Labour Party is sitting on the other side, just so unhappy. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw the footage, like it reminded me there was there were stages early in Corbyn's uh, uh leadership of the party where they just looked like just loads of teenagers that have been kept back after school like like on a Friday they just had that look but they would they would go because also you know the other thing was that the nature of the of the budget was quite Keynesian in a way wasn't it that if you hit economic turbulence that you actually spend to, to, to prop up the economy and uh, now a lot of people are saying well you know they could have done this instead of austerity it was a, it was a moral choice to do austerity but I think you've got more scope to do this when you... This is really boring financial stuff, and I don't really fully understand it, but that's never stopped me having a pretty solid opinion on anything, is that you've got a bit more scope to do it, right? If you've got borrowing down, this is exactly the reason that you get borrowing down. I don't understand, it's like, some of the lefties, where they point to the the overall borrowing figure of the government, right? They say, well, look, when the Tories came in, in 2010, it was this figure, and now it's, like, 1.2 trillion. Okay, yeah, because when you've got debt, like, total... When, you, when you've got structural deficit, total debt continues to go up. In many ways, if you're highlighting that, the only inference is that you think we should have brought down debt quicker, right? Am I, am I getting this wrong? Do they mean that austerity should have been like more severe? Is that what they're saying? I don't know. Look, if I'm missing something here, do email whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. That was the most I've ever sounded like an LBC DJ. Like, um, give us a call. You know, uh, Ring in. I'm, hey, am, am I miles off on this one? Um, do you listen to LBC? I, I like LBC. I like well, I like a few shows in particular. I like Ian Dale. And I like Ian Dale. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um the but yeah, Labour have got Labour have got nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Um because it is the kind of economic solution that they would probably have suggested. It was pretty comprehensive in terms of, of who it uh, of who it legislated for. And even Sky News that sort of quite like criticising the government, they, they 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 were struggling to find a uh, st- uh, stick with which to beat them, and the only the only sort of tweet I could find was one from Sky News Twitter account that said, um, "What are the incentives? Yeah, but where are the incentives for low carbon homes?" That was it. I mean, like at this point, look, I'm not saying that climate doesn't continue to be an issue, but at this point, incentives for low carbon homes. If anything, we're all going to be using a bit more electricity, aren't we? Because we're going to be staying at home. Yeah, they're going to actually. We should. It's the opposite to stop the spread of pandemic we should be giving people discounts on their electricity bills to, to, as an incentive to work from home. Take that, Extinction Rebellion. <laughs> but yeah, Rishi was um, Rishi was impressive. You know, He did run leadership debates as well. And, and, and what I think was depressing, particularly for the Labour benches, was not just like that it was the kind of budget that they probably would have done, but also this guy is stepping up and you're going, wow, that could be the next Prime Minister. It really could. So you've got Boris... Uh, in in situ, who's pretty popular with the public. Then you've got Rishi. Now, oh my God! Sometimes Tories right, they do end up doing like the progressive thing, but for all the wrong reasons. It would give so many Conservatives pleasure to have the first Indian British Indian from <laughs> Can you imagine? So Labour, they're there with another white geezer, right? Say something happens with Boris. You know what I mean? Like he, uh, he decides to be a stay-at-home dad. You know, because he'd have he'd have plenty of work on. Um, he. And then, and then the Tories just come out of the gate with uh, a... <laughs> that would be fantastic. And then Labour would be in that position that they often find themselves where they're sort of gutted at something that they should be pleased about. Like, well, yeah, you, you only did this to be annoying. Uh, yeah, we did. And it, and it still works out on a diversity level. So have some of that. Sorry, we shouldn't be doing the tribal politics um, anymore, but it is funny. Corbyn was. I mean Corbyn was as bad as he's ever been in his response. He he got out his pre-scripted, you know, he printed it out off his bloody late 80s Xerox or whatever. There's there's no spontaneity in it at all. He looks he just looks as knackered as he's ever looked. And I think the interesting thing about watching him is him having no chance of power has made you realise just how crappy he is? In a weird way, you know, particularly after 2017, where everyone sort of thinking, hang on, has this Corbyn guy caught a mood with the public that we don't fully understand in increasing his share of the vote?" So we sort of turn a blind eye to some of his, his shambolic parliamentary performances. But you go, oh my God, no, he's just really bad. He's really bad at this. He's really not that bright. He can't think on his feet. He, he misreads the, the room. I mean, like... I think like backbencher was an, was an over-promotion for him. I think being in the Commons that long, you can actually, actually question how long he survived in the Commons that long, let alone got close to being the Prime Minister, the leader of one of the world's biggest economies. And no wonder the Labour Parliamentary Party looks so demoralised because they also also still in the midst of this, this leadership battle um that even like their bright stars are starting to fade you know rebecca long bailey always always going to get a good morning mrs long bailey good morning children good morning she's just kind of she's quite steady in all the interviews she's done she hasn't like impressed so she hasn't had a complete disaster you know keir starmer is going to be the leader and he's you know he's just, he's like their rebound guy you know <laughs> he's a late rebound from blair is that guy. It's like, you know, Kia, like, yeah, there's that guy that a woman like is with for a year. And then she wakes up and goes, Oh my God, this man does not excite me. Um, and then Lisa Landy, who was like the impressive breakout star of this. So maybe not leader material on this occasion, but perhaps going forward, she, um, she, she's got a bit cocky. Actually, I've seen a few interviews of her where she seems to think that she's cracked how to confront the difficult or challenging interviewers. And she does it with cockiness and she thinks she can talk round them. But when it came to being asked a question on GMB by Piers Morgan about whether people that have recently self-identified as female should be allowed to do weightlifting competitions, I mean, that almost sounds like a satirical example of an argument that shouldn't need to be had, right? Just Do you think people that are definitely still metabolically stronger than other people should be allowed to compete in a test of strength? That sounds like a a joke, paradoxical question, right? But because Lisa Mandy is uh, is ally, she's an ally. You know, when you're an ally, you don't want to stop being an ally because when you you know, you, there's there's certain kudos that goes with that, particularly the Labour men membership. And she she tried to turn it round on peers, and and, and and she didn't really answer the question, right? Just the same as she sort of battered away the question on whether, whether cannabis should be legalized. And again, you got this. She, there's this strange tension between her. She's try. She's willing to take quite extreme. I mean, she's also not ruled out rejoining the EU, right? So she's quite. She's obviously willing to take quite unilateral. Uh, you know, controversial, contentious decisions on the one side, and yet in these other areas, and this is where Blair's right about not getting kind of sweating the small stuff effectively. She she's she's gets drawn into a culture war by taking a stance that is way, 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 way outside. What the vast majority of the British public think. Now you could laud her for being uh, honest and moral if that's what she absolutely thinks, but but equally get get your power first before you know, well, because you can't do anything until you've got some form of power. And you know it is strange with the whole trans thing, as you're supposed to call it, because I find that increasingly when I speak to young liberal women, they also take. This a lot of the views that are being associated with, with, with which are called, you know, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. But it's just that there's, a, there's an environment where people are worried to speak out. And this is another example of where, you know, it was, it was roundly mocked once upon a time, political oh, correctness going mad, is it? This is another example. If there are loads of young liberal women that don't feel... That they can talk about talk out about the fact that, that being female as a protected identity is being challenged, then I think what most people think would be that yeah, maybe political correctness has gone a bit too far. Speaking of women. <laughs> um, International Women's Day was the way I said that was really accusatory, wasn't it? Speaking of women, yeah, got another couple of things to get off my chest. That wasn't like a relation to trans or... Right? Anyway, speaking of Women's Day, right? So International Women's Day was celebrated uh, again, and um, the UN did their thing of... Uh, they, they said women with an X. Women with an X. Now, I don't know if it's because of the age of like, porn that I grew up in, but I think, I think there's something more objectifying putting an X in, because it sort of looks sexy. Do you know what I mean? Or like a little kiss women or or like or and then then somebody said that the way to pronounce women if you have an x instead of an e would be like wominks again i'm not sure that that really pushes women further away from the the male gaze you know but we're international women's day has now become the standard thing of loads of blokes go well when's international men's day and people say it's on the 19th of november and then the other thing is that a lot of people will say well you know isn't every day Uh, International Men's Day, and I I object to both of those lines of idiotic thinking. One that when it's Women's Day, just let it be Women's Day. Don't have to. You don't have to make it about you as a man. That's something quite unmanly about that. Oh oh, well, you know when can it be my special day? But equally, it's not International Women's Day every day. It's, it's, It's demonstrably not for so many men all around the world. It's not. You don't just get up and high five yourself in the mirror and go, "Hey, another day of unfettered privilege." I think as long as men continue to die younger and commit more suicide, I think we can safely presume that even though there are undeniable elements of male privilege, that it's not totally clear cut for everyone. And I know a lot of women would say that men die younger because they do reckless, stupid things. (laughs) And there is probably truth in that. There is probably truth that that drags the average down, that maybe if blokes didn't kind of like, you know, do as many extreme sports or you know get drunk and go run around naked in the middle of a thunderstorm and get hit by lightning then maybe oh yeah i get I, I hear you sisters on that one i really do but what i don't understand is like is when it, things like international women's day come around is is this desire to attribute uh, attribute positive characteristics to women right because I, I think that's part of where stereotypes and prejudice come from is the and i i don't I'm not fully against stereotypes because I think some of them are true for so many people. It's hard not to hold them. But if you start saying women are strong, women are fierce, women are feisty. Well, like first up, they're fucking not. Not all of them, right? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Women are human beings who have a variety of characteristics. And also, just by saying that women are strong, that's not enough in itself to create strong women, is it? I don't know. I don't know. I've just seen so many of these adverts recently, like that are trying to like. Whereas you know, like deodorant adverts for women used to be like some sexy, live, elegant woman just prancing around in a gym. They believe they believe that women, like as consumers, have a different desire to to you know they wish to see themselves a different way. You know, they've got a lot of women of size. I don't even know what the word is. What's the politically correct word for big women? They've got a lot of big women. Is that that should be okay? But it doesn't feel like it is okay. Got a lot of uh, obese women. See, the problem with that is that is scientifically... Uh, and and the, before you think that I am talking about a woman that's mildly overweight and getting it wrong and calling her obese, I'm thinking of one particular advert where the woman is, is demonstrably, probably morbidly obese. So sometimes, in giving the scientific name, you end up being more hurtful. It's like, you know, women... What is it? Women are called geriatric mothers after, like, the age of 36 or something. That's That's harsh isn't it geriatric mothers (laughs) just feels judge judgmental I I think I'd be gutted as a man if I if I had the word geriatric did they call do they call that for men all right let's see look I've ended up being a bit feminist here let's see if there's an equivalent word for um, men geriatric father age I'm googling it as we speak sisters okay the research found that fathers age 40 and above Three point three times more likely than under uh, under forty fathers to have children with autism spectrum okay but it doesn't it doesn't say um it doesn't say that they're geriatric um a man who is 40 well advanced paternal age <laughs> okay so maybe the feminists have got a point here it just says advanced paternal age is at the age of 40. So I was not. I was not a geriatric father. I think I conceived my son. I just me. Do you know what I mean? She takes a bit of credit, but um, yeah. You know what I mean. I put in a shift that. And, oh my god. Um, so yeah. all right. Maybe there are some reasons for International uh, Women's Day, but it's just. It's just not. Stop. Stop acting like all women are. Are kind of like, women's intuition is a good example. Not all women have it. Okay. Like you can't say don't stereotype women, but then claim. Oh, we've all, By the way, we've all got this sort of weird magic power. We we can predict the future, and we know when you're lying. You don't. It's just that you spend you spend more time thinking about it, right? It's just the law of averages. My my mum, she thought she called herself the white witch, <laughs> uh, which sounds like she was involved in like quite a bad organisation. But she just she just felt that she could predict things, and and sometimes she could, but sometimes she just spent so many times predicting stuff was going to go wrong that eventually she was right. She was going like, yeah. Yo, so you see, look at that, look at that. Your sister, your sister, your sister had a car crash. I was like, yeah, but you've also been predicting that ever since she was first driving. She's now thirty five. Statistically, you're you've been wrong like on thousands of days, literally thousands of days. Um, yeah, some women have. Uh, no, some women have no no intuition at all. I mean, like look at women that just like stick with terrible men. Where's that intuition? I think it could change. Yeah. Where's the evidence for that love? Um, but yeah, it may be maybe the answer because a lot of this argument as ever comes back to is gender is, is the characteristics of male and female, you know, in a social sense. Is it is it come from is it innate? Is it in us or is it something that society creates? I mean, it's obviously a mixture of both, right? But some people want to believe it's a complete construct, but but I mean, I've got a boy and he's, he's got certain things that he's, he was straight away, like the first time he saw an aeroplane, he was just transfixed by it. Now, if there are people listening, go, yeah, but my daughter did that too. I just, but yeah, but boys, for whatever reason, they're just big mechanisms seem to fascinate them and also kicking their dads in the balls. There's something about boys. I think that they're programmed to try and exceed you. And one of the the, the, the most straightforward ways that they can do that in the early years is just by just smacking you in the plums. And what what is odd is like the way that my, my son, he gives it's brilliant. It does make me laugh. It's a strange thing. I'm cracking up laughing whilst in chronic pain. But he um he just says, "Daddy, check this out, right?" And he'll be like on the top of the couch, and I'll be lying down on the couch, and then he'll just do a knee drop straight onto my bollocks. But it's just the way he says, "Check this out," as like start, like I'm a I'm, I'm about to benefit from something really cool. No, like, oh, what what son? We what gonna do? Are you gonna do an impression or something or, no, I'm going to knee you in the bollocks. Stay still. So look, I don't know if I have much of a coherent point in this state. So I guess my point about International Women's Day and International Men's Day and gender, full stop, is either we're allowed to stereotype or we're not. And if you are allowed to stereotype, it means that it encompasses it encompasses both the good and the bad characteristics, not just one or the other. <laughs> Okay, uh, quick hype for my tour shows coming up. As we record this, it's Thursday. I've got Epsom tonight, then I've got Verwood tomorrow in Dorset, I think. And then we've got Peterborough sold out. Next week is Maidenhead, that's already sold out. Sunday night of next week, uh Sunday the the oh, I don't know, something of, you know, if this week is, is the 12th as I'm recording this, I'm asking you to do something that nobody ever does online anymore, which is put in a bit of effort to find out some information. Is that wherever the Sunday of the next week is? This is the, this is now the worst plug for anything ever. So the Sunday of the week after this, I'm going to be in Canterbury. I mean, obviously you could just Google Jeff Norcott tour show Canterbury if you gave a toss, right? But do that, and I'm going to be at the Golbinkian Theatre, the Golbenkian. I don't like things that are awkward to pronounce. I, I to me that should be Golbeckian, okay. So I'm gonna rename it for the night. The Goldbeckian Theatre, and we got a decent number of sales there. It is a Sunday night. It's Mother's Day, um, so so yeah. Bring your mum out. That'd be a nice Mother's Day gift, wouldn't it? Make her get her pissed. Yeah, bring her out. Do some shots. Maybe call a guy. Stay out late. Introduce her to cocaine. Do you know? Just 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 do something different for Mother's Day. What? most people think. Okay, let's get into the letters for this week. Uh, thank you for all the ones for the preview show. It really helps make the show work. It makes it easier to do. I've got more stuff to talk about. But um, Ian Scott. First of all, a very short, uh, stupid joke from a guy called Ian Scott. Is Craig David joining the British Olympic archery team as their bow selector? He, I like that. I, the, the fact that he's taken the time to send that, and he probably knew it was a crap joke, but that is that is good. You, you'll you make a great father. Ian, with, with crap jokes like that. I, 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 it's something, again, there's something genetic about dad gags. Like I, I have, um, I've become a bit of an expert. Can I, can I share if you've got a young son or daughter at the moment, I've come up with a few about films and stuff that I find tend to work. Uh, what, what is Elsa's, how does Elsa like her lollies? Frozen. <laughs> um, how does Elsa say hello to people? Ice to meet you feel like i'm losing subscribers as i'm talking here but i'll, I'll continue um which dinosaur could tell the time Triceroclocks. you gotta get them to <laughs> gotta get them and this is probably uh, my favorite one how does han solo like his steak chewy Any, is anybody still gonna listen to my podcast after that that was like i'm supposed to be you know like right of center edgy comic those are you know dad gags is that is that is that a spin-off podcast Hey jeff shut up talking um and go to the next letter Um this is one from uh david salmon david salmon he he, he basically is asking that our country's life expectancy has stagnated right so this is a report out a couple of weeks ago saying that it's been growing for a long time but now it's stopped growing and I sort of think, like... The thing that what most people think, right, is what you're kind of going, is that... Well, like, old people are putting a bit of a drain on stuff, aren't they, you know? So, like... I mean, I'm not saying that we should be, you know... But if they stop stopping getting older for a while... Because, like, it's not like... It's not like the really good bit of life that they're getting older into, is it? It's the sitting in the day room, playing dominoes bit. And, and the amount of extra-economic demands that makes... Is this a problem that life expectancy is stagnated? I mean, it's got so high. It's like house prices. It's like house prices, right? Every time house prices like level off or slightly go down, every, we spend the whole time talking about how houses are too expensive, right? And then every time they either stagnate or become less expensive, we also talk about that as if it's a catastrophe. So this country, we're saying, you know, old people are living longer, it's creating problems. And then the moment there's some evidence they might not be living even longer, we go, well, society is failing, Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Again, I'm just seeing how this could be straw man. Like, Jeff Norcott thinks old people should be sent to death camps. I do, I do think old people should be sent to death camps, concentration camps. You know, just get. <laughs> they like you know they'll be together, won't they? And <laughs> there'll be an there be an arts and crafts room, and then uh, yeah, just when uh, you know, just by just at the right time, we just say okay, you've uh, you've had a good knock here. But it seems like you need another new hip. Maybe, maybe you're done. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, this uh, letter is from, who's it from? It's from James Greenaway. And he said, uh, as we see that Nigel Farage is on telly dispensing advice on coronavirus, because, yeah, of course, I mean, like I, that's all I want to hear from. I want to hear from, I'll tell you one of the people I want to hear from about coronavirus. I want to hear, hear what Nigel Farage thinks. I want to hear what Piers Morgan thinks. I want to know what, how Owen Jones is seeing this playing out. <laughs> Owen Jones, right? He's going to... Because, you know, you know, like um, part of the stage two of the government strategy is a thing called social distancing, which people keep... I, I, I just can't wait for the Guardian article where Owen Jones says that this is the start of the Tories far... This is like a false flag attack for the Tories far-right racist agenda. Social distancing. It starts with handshakes and it ends genocide shut up lily sorry they, they haven't had lily barking for a few days this is because I, if you've listened before my dog is a, an, an absolute coward right absolute coward but likes like a lot of dogs likes to sit at the glass making out like she'd give it all that i'll tell you what lily i'll open the door see what happens then yeah you're still gonna be a badass then didn't think so I'm accusing her of, of acting hard with a smaller thing and that's what I've just done but who would I like to get expert advice from I would like to get I'd like to get a uh, driving advice from Anne McPartland I think that could be a thing um <laughs> I'd like to uh I know Jurgen Klopp everyone seems to think Jurgen Klopp is some sort of uh oracle at the moment I think we should I think he should be like one of those government czars you know, you get the... You remember, you get, like, Peter Mandelson, just Jürgen Klopp. We should just say, like, Jürgen, you're just, like, this really cool German guy. What do you think? What do you think we should be doing about STDs? And he just go, well, you know, he's... Um, I've just become Dutch. Uh, he looks Dutch. How is Jürgen Klopp not Dutch? Looking like that, not being Dutch, he's taking a piss, mate. He's taking a bit... Oh, by the way, piss... I'm sorry, I'm not having that counted as a swear word. Piss is... Piss is... It's a verb, isn't it? It's an acceptable verb. By the way, talking about offensive language, right? Um, for the Radio Four thing, I was doing a, um, I was doing a bit of research on swear words. <laughs> My whole life has been a bit of research on swear words, but um, the I was looking at the Ofcom report for about offensive language, right? And on the on the front page of this report, it says uh, it says warning may contain offensive language, which I think is. Brilliant, I don't see how it could not. how else are they gonna let you know what words that they're talking about, you know, like four words sounds like brother sucker, and um it had a it had the words uh Dick, knob, and cock, okay now Dick knob, and cock essentially mean the same thing, all right they mean penis or stupid slash unpleasant man, so they rated them, however. As mild, medium, and strong. So let's play the dick, knob, and cock game. Alright? Okay, this is a 1980s game show format here. It's called Dick Nob Dick Dick Nob and Cock. Alright. So what you gotta do to win the Star Prize? We don't know what's back there, could be a speedboat, could be a holiday in Miami. <laughs> so you gotta get take those three words, you've got to decide which is the, the the mildest, which is the medium, which is the strongest. So what are you going for? Where are you gonna put your dick? Where are you going to put your knob and where are you going to put your cock? Okay, right. So is that your final position, is it? Now, be quiet, audience. Uh, we will have full concentration for this. Okay, I can reveal that dick was the mildest word, knob was the medium, and cock was the strongest. So well done if you got me in that order. Just like an 80s game show, we pull back the reveal, and it is, in fact, a set of new cupboards, because that's what they used to do on those shows, didn't it? If there was any danger that anyone... Might mean something of uh, any kind of monetary worth. We would literally switch the prizes behind. <laughs> that must have gone on right before before they regulated those game shows. That must have happened. That must have happened. Anyway, I've gone I've gone off topic a bit here. Um, <laughs> Dick knob and cock. I'm so immature, man. Like you can try and write any political joke you want in the world, but just like uh, just like in a, Do you know what I watch late at night? Like just just to get to bed it's like get to sleep is like bloopers just people accidentally saying swear words or um, for some reason my favorite one is like a, a like a, a news report it's usually women because we're often fine for whatever reason women will just drop an innuendo without realizing and then carry on and that just makes it funnier so like um I'll give you an example I, I had a this isn't a news anchor but this is from my real life he's I had a relative uh, an older female relative so we was having a barbecue and some neighbors came over and um, she, she'd slightly overcooked the sausages and she was trying to punt them out, and no one really wanted them. And then Elaine, the neighbour, had come round, and, and this relative of mine, who I won't name just for her own decency, started saying to Elaine, Go on, Elaine, go on, Elaine, have a bit of black sausage. There's nothing wrong with a bit of black sausage. I've, I've heard you love a bit of black sausage, right? And just with no awareness, no awareness at all that there could be some sort of double meaning there. And we're just crying with laughter, and just going, "What? What? It's just a bit of black sausage." And and like you, I mean, like they say, you couldn't write it. So look, I have no idea whether that's answered your query there, but I think um, well we had we had a bit of fun with some swear words, didn't we? Fun with swear words with Jeff Norcott. Okay, that is more or less the end of uh, this week's show. As ever, I'll be closing the show by reading out some of the iTunes reviews. And thank you. There's been a few recently. There's a really interesting one, which I'll say to the end. But um, there's some nice ones. Some of them called Nonostar that says, What a refreshing change. Listen to this podcast if you want to hear what the mainstream media should be reflected more, but don't. As the human opinions of the greater part of the audience base. Also, Jeff has funny, friendly chats with fellow comedians from across the political range. Yeah, so I haven't had a chat with a fellow comedian for a while, so I've got plans uh, to get somebody in the studio with me, so keep your ears peeled for that, listeners. God, that was wanky, wasn't it? Ah, that's a swear word. Uh, This one's from Tippy1982. This one says, Just thought I would give you a five-star shout-out. Many thanks in advance, Pete. Pete, oh, you did thanks in advance. There's a golden rule that you're not... If somebody says thanks in advance or something, you're supposed to not do it just to teach them a lesson. It's a bit mean, isn't it? But cheers, Pete. Uh, and this is from Sussex Mark. I think I did this one the other week because I didn't know what a Sussex accent would be. Uh, but this one is one of the most confusing reviews I've ever had. This is from Dicky R. And he says that I'm the SJW's Titania McGrath. Now, that means that basically he thinks I am a fictional construct. I get this quite a lot, right? So it says, Jeff, in inverted commas is a superb construct, almost a comic masterpiece. He hits, he hits all the right-wing tropes in an utterly convincing way, and so he is well worth a listen. In the same way Andrew Doyle wrote Jonathan Pye, Nish Kumar is the genius behind the inverted commas Norcott brand. I don't think this guy understands inverted commas. I mean, Norcott is actually my name. Uh, Try telling that to the Lord's Taverners, and they just won't believe you. Great stuff. I mean, Nicky... There is a problem with being part of the liberal intelligentsia is that you can sometimes overcomplicate things, mate. And as I've said before, I am, yeah, if, if I'm a character, fair enough. But what I've done to make it easier is I have the same name, appearance, clothes, and opinions as my character. And that way, it just makes it a little bit easier. And listen, so as far as things go for touring, I am going to follow my own advice, which is uh, like that of the chief medical officer, which is, uh, I, will, I will still be out there. Still be out there until I'm told otherwise. And, you know, keep calm and carry on buying tickets for my tour. All available through the website. You know, obviously, use hand sanitizer when you use your MacBook, if it makes you feel better. It's not really going to help anything in the end. You all know that, but fuck it, you know.